Over 3 million businesses use Indeed.com for hiring. Five times more hires are made through Indeed than any other job site. By creating the easiest, most effective hiring experience, we help businesses find great new people every day. Right now, we're giving new users a $50 credit to post a sponsored job on the world's number one job site. Claim your $50 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. He's one of the world's most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazlett. I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success. This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Fortinet. He's a Yale Law School grad who never practiced law a day in his life, a former political speechwriter who went on to write five best-selling books on business management and sales, Books translated into 34 languages with more than 2 million copies sold worldwide. He is also the host and co-executive producer of Crowd Control, a new television series about human behavior on the National Geographic Channel. And he's joining us here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on Play.it. Welcome, Daniel Pink. So, Daniel, my first question I have to ask you, because I've been in politics myself, having worked for congressmen and senators, and, of course, I mentioned a background when we first got started. You Are you still active in politics? No. Not I vote. You, you vote? You, you <laughs> got to write a check every so often, though, too, right? I vote. I, I You know what? I write um, very, very, very few checks. Uh, I, I write checks only to here's – my, here's my – I'll give you my uh, criteria for um, – um, uh, political donations. If someone who is a friend of mine, of either party, is someone I know I'm friendly with, you know, and, and that person decides to run for public office, yeah. I will write that person a check. I always do. Um, because yeah. that person has a lot more guts than I do. Yeah, well, that's true because they're willing to put it out there, which is which is not. But exactly. But otherwise, otherwise, I don't do. I, I, I really, I'm just for someone who is a longtime Washingtonian. I have really, really taken myself. Um, out of it, I I, um, I vote and I complain and yeah, but try to much, be a good citizen. As much money as you're making, all these bestsellers, you ought to be able to write a few more checks, though. I mean, quite frankly, <laughs> you sound you, you sound like a candidate now. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. No, I just have raised a lot of money for candidates. I got to tell you what I've been doing lately is for every one of my relatives that complains about Hillary Clinton right now. I write a check yeah. in their name to Hillary Clinton for either $1,000 or $100 just so they get on the mailing list and never get, they get, you know, because they just can't stand her. Some of my relatives just really don't like her. Or if they, you know, if it's some other candidate, quite frankly, I'll do it for that guy or a gal as well, just just to piss them off a little bit. Do you ever do something like that? There you go. That's and that's fun. really, Jeff, what democracy is all about, is, is <laughs> aggravating your relatives. Exactly. Well, they're kind of a little bit rednecks, you know, so it's okay. Hey, yeah. l- let me ask you, do you think that your, the, the politics hurt you or helped you with your career? Huh, interesting question. Yeah. Um, uh, I would say probably, um, um, I would say probably more help than hurt. Yeah. Um, only because, um, as you know, you know, that world is a is a very fast-moving and very high-stakes kind of world. Uh, things move very quickly. There's a lot of pressure. 
And I think that simply the ability to work in that kind of environment, sort of that, 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 that baptism by fire that you get on a campaign or at high levels of politics and government, um, it prepares you to deal with other kinds of fast-paced environments and other kinds of pressures. Yeah, I think so too. You know, and it, you, you, it's in a very small bubble, so to speak. You know what I mean by that? It's a small community, it's a small world. It's kind of like being in the Fortune 1000. If you're an officer in Fortune 1000, I mean, there's only 5,000 officers, so it's a small world. So you get to know everybody on the Democrat side or the Republican side. But you know, I think it also gives you, uh, you know, ability to learn marketing fast, learning different things in the way in which you do. You got to move them fast, last minute, and a lot of corporate worlds really become that too. And so I think that's probably helped you a lot more it, it also yeah no I, yeah no, I, I think it's a good i think it's a good argument i think that one of the things that you see sometimes out there is you have um uh companies bringing in people with experience in political campaigns to advise them to take some of those um skills and qualities and 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 the know-how that you get from political work and apply it to the corporate world you know i and i for years i ran senate campaigns was on you know senate staff house staff i was a lobbyist for a while as well i do you miss it which, which senate which senator did you work oh for? i worked me, for I don't know. george mcgovern senator george mcgovern from south dakota and then i went to work for tom daschle and tom okay there you know tom because oh, right, you're a south dakotan of course yeah exactly of course but, yeah i mean yeah how could I not know that? Well, I mean, you know, there's a whole Dashiell Mafia out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, big time. I was part yeah. of it. But I was the early stage. Now the late stage uh, Dashiell Mafia, and he's, he's a good friend as well. Been to his wedding and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, yeah, yeah, I've yeah. Known, known his family for, just like in South Dakota, we know everybody. I mean, we know everybody's family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Knew his dad, his mom, and, of course, his wife. Hey, but do you, uh, do you miss it? No, I don't. I don't, I don't either. I mean, that's the thing. You, are, you, are you like? It? I mean, isn't that fun? You walk away from it, you think, "Oh my God, what would my life be without it?" But the second you walk away, a week later, you're going, "Oh, I did that. Oh, okay, great. Everyone, so let's move on." You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I have. It's, it's really interesting. I mean, it's, it's good to talk to you about this because you know there aren't that many people with that kind of experience who sort of followed the path that maybe you and I followed because yep. a lot of people stay with it for a very, very long time. Yeah. And and that's their world, and so. So I look back on, and, you know, and I left that world 18 years ago. Yeah, you know, I look back and I don't say, oh, I miss it so much. But I also don't say, oh, my God, that was awful. I'm so glad I got away. Well, I just say, it hey, wasn't that awful. was an interesting I mean, experience. I had a chance to, do, to try to do a little bit of good. Um, I worked with some, you know, I worked with some really great people. Not everybody was great, but I worked with some really, really great people. I learned a lot. I was able to contribute, and great. That's what that chapter was about. Let's move on to another chapter. Yeah, it's a, but I'm glad I didn't get sucked in and, you know, started drinking the water, Potomac water, and I know you yeah. still live there, but, but, I mean, it's, 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 there's a world outside of that. Just like when I go on television, I'm on Bloomberg, and everybody's talking about the earnings, and, you know, the Facebook is off by a penny. Oh, my gosh, the world's falling, the sky's falling. I go, get over yourself. <laughs> Nobody cares. You think, you think, you know, anybody at Facebook is actually sitting there worrying about what you think. I mean, they don't care. And and they they're, they're move on, and I think that's a big thing that we learned. It I, I gotta imagine though, every once in a while, and this will be the last thing I'll talk about on politics. I, although I might bring it up in rapid fire or something like that. Do you find yourself like every once in a while, some of the people you know that are still there going, "Oh my God, that idiot's still running this stuff." You know, do you ever do that? I do that. Um, <laughs> you know what? I have to say, it, there's a great story. I, 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 it's not my story. It's a story, but I've, I've used it in. Um, a commencement speech um, 
uh, there's a great story from Peggy Noonan, the Reagan oh, yeah, speech Peggy, writer. Sure. Yeah. And and uh, it, um, and she wrote a really she actually wrote a really really most of these like I don't even read these like White House memoirs anymore. But she wrote a book, probably came out in 1990 somewhere on there about her experience writing speeches for Reagan. It was it's a very very good book, and she. Um, and she said that, and this is my, she said, I had a, she, Peggy Noonan said, she had a three-stage reaction to working in the White House, okay? Mm-hmm. The first stage, she gets to the White House and she says, wow, I hope nobody realizes how stupid I am. Yeah. Okay, that's stage yeah. one. Stage two, she gets there, and she's there for a few more months, she looks around, and she realizes to herself, wait, wait, I'm as smart as anyone here. Yep. Stage three, a few months after that, she looks around and says, Oh my God, we're in charge, and that's pretty much my. That was my reaction, but I think that's my reaction to companies too. Well, it, you know, it's the same thing in companies. I think the same thing. And I used to sit around. I tell people I'd sit around, and watch the stuff that's going on, and go, "Oh my gosh, who's supposed to be doing something?" And I finally realized in the meeting it was me. You know, and the, we're in yeah. charge. And and then you, but people are people. Don't you find that? I mean, there's there's stupid people. There's bright people. There's aggressive people. There's totally. Yeah. There's laid back people. You know, you find that everywhere. I, you know, you you had a quote. And I just loved it. That it was a quote on your. It was about your law school record. All right. I'm sure you might okay. remember this. You said I graduated in the part of the law school that made the top ninety percent possible. Oh yeah. And I love yeah. that. But you know, here I'm sitting here. I, I see you that way. Which, by the way, that's the way I am. But at the same time, everybody lists you as one of the top thinkers in the world. I mean, you're like the 50th top thinker, blah blah blah, in your bio. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive to to see the stuff. Does that does that just sometimes just go wow? Do, do you do you pinch yourself every once in a while? No, you know what? It's just uh, you know, I have to say, I, it's it's. It, I don't think about I don't think about this stuff all that often. You know, like 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 you know, like everybody, like all your listeners, like like I just get up in the morning and try to get through the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, do you know, do my job. Try right? to get through the day. Try to get my emails answered. Try to get some good work done. Try in a you know a tiny way to make a that day to make a tiny contribution to the world. Try to be a good father, and you know, make sure that the you know I take out the garbage, and that there's gas in the car, and my kids are you know at baseball practice at the right time, and then you know collapse and go to sleep and wake up the next day to do it again. Yeah, then make it to the next keynote and everything else. Now I should be now to be perfectly honest, I should be pinching myself for simply having the luxury of doing that. Yeah. For. You know, for for doing work that I—that's what I should be pinching myself for, and I don't do that enough. Pinching myself for being able to do work that I enjoy, um, uh, having people in my life who I love and who love me—that's um, what I should be pinching myself. So, about. the the business today. What is the business of you today? Is it the business of you? I mean, it's your books, your speaking. Yeah, I mean, I do a bunch of different things, but you know, I write. You know, at the center of everything are books, and um, and so that's really you know, I I, I am first and foremost. Um, probably not even first and foremost, but first and foremost, second and second most, third and third most, uh, a writer. That's the center of what I do. And then along with that, I mean, just like you, you know, um, there are other ways to con- there are other ways to convey ideas besides right. in writing a book. So you can go out and talk to them in front of audiences live. Um, I did a television show last year, so you know, it's like is that the, I mean, you're talking about the you National do. Geographic show that you were doing. Yeah, I do. I mean, I do. Very I do nice what you show, do. You know, it's so like Great you know, show. try to Great get show. basically try to get ideas out there. Yeah. Um, and 
And, you know, but again, for me, it's a little, it, 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 books are really the, the center of it, but books are not the only way to get ideas out there. Yeah, well, not everybody makes it. I mean, there's over 3 million books be published this year. When you when you look at it, just in North America, three three million titles, you know, and yeah, no, it's rough good, out there. Yeah, a good number of those are business books, and that's and the average yeah. business book sells seven thousand five hundred copies. So when guys like you or oh me, my God, or, you know, or you're, selling, you're, I'm gonna have nightmares now. Yeah, well, but when but when we're selling hundreds of thousands or up to a million, you know, the, you got to imagine what these other guys are doing. If the average is seventy five hundred, oh my gosh, you, it's tough to make a living. So, what? Yeah. Let me ask you a question. You 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 you. I want to get into the selling because I think that you. No, that's obviously a big portion of what you were doing. First of all, I have to ask you: you make a you make a comment around you know you know always selling either from selling occurs, and I think the word you used uh, was something around the about call centers. Yeah, that's what it was. It said your your selling is not limited to call center shops or garage forecourts. What's a garage forecourt? I went and looked it up. I've never heard of about it. A, what is it? What I said garage forecourts. Did you ever say that? No, I don't think so. I thought I said, "What the hell was he talking about?" Garage forecourts. The only thing we could find it was related to a gas station. But but you were saying selling is. I have no idea what that is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. All right. So obviously someone got it wrong. So there, there's probably a Google Word replacement there. It's probably what it was. Yeah. Let me ask you. Yeah, a question. yeah, exactly. It's not a bad, limited. It's a bad autocorrect or something. Yeah, it's bad, exactly. We're gonna, we're gonna have to go back to the origin of that. So what's the difference between upselling and upserving? Ah, I'm glad you asked. Yes. Um, so, I mean, you, you know, what, there's this there's this word out there in the in the selling vocabulary that I don't really like, and it's upselling. So, you know, the, I mean, it, it, it's basically if someone wants to buy, if someone comes onto a lot and they want to buy a, um, uh, let's see here, I'm trying to, I don't know my car models all well, that just, well. I mean, they want someone to buy, wants to buy comes on to Toyota. Or- could, comes on like Toyota a lot and wants to buy a Prius. Okay. And you say, you know what? What you really want is a Highlander because a Highlander is a more expensive car that will get more commission for the uh, car seller or that kind of thing. Or even things like, you know, the constant you see in, in airports or in fast food restaurants. You know, do you want fries with that? Or, you know, do you want a bottle of water? They don't really care whether you want fries or water. They're just trying to upsell you, Okay. And I think it's pretty, and I'll give you an experience that I had. I was buying something online, and, um, and you know, you can look in the little window where the URL is. So it had, like, the name of the company, com. And then, you know, I said, you know, I wanted to buy something, put it in my cart, went to go to buy it, clicked the next window to go buy it, and they offered me something else that I absolutely did not want. And when I looked in the little window on the top of my browser, that had the URL, it said www.company.com slash upsell. <laughs> and, you know, I, en- I ended the transaction right there. Uh-huh. And I think that, um, I think the better thing to do today is to, is to upserve. Yeah. So instead of, and in, so then that would mean that, you know, you sell somebody something and, and then you surprise them by giving them a little extra service of whatever kind. I don't necessarily mean customer service. You actually serve them even more than they expected. And what I think you do is, in that kind of setting, um, is that you begin to build a little bit of loyalty and some good feeling in a world where that's very, very, very difficult. Um, and I, and I do think that as consumers it, get... Right? Yeah, it's it's as, as, as consumers get... Yeah, as consumers get smarter, they are, um, you know, they're going to be more resistant to those kinds of little maneuvers. Yeah. 
Well, and like I said, it probably has a much higher value, which means you can extract more dollars for it, or at least make more with it. Oh, in the long run, yes, that's yeah. the thing. That's yeah. the thing. It's both like you know, it's 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 one of those it's one of those things where where it is um, um, where it is both kind of the right thing to do, and in the long run, it is actually good for your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Uh, I always go back out to my fan base and I say hey here's who I'm going to have on the show and then I say hey send me questions you want to know and so John Gill wrote to me on LinkedIn and he said uh, your book Free Agent Nation back in 2002 continues to fuel the market for Mission One Business and Talent Solutions any plans for a sequel? Oh wow that's nice of a question yeah yeah. so that's a book I wrote um, as you, you know 15 years ago yep. uh, and uh, about the rise of people working for themselves and I think what's so amazing to me about that book is how much conditions have changed to fuel that phenomenon even more. So I actually have contemplated uh, doing a kind of an, an update, maybe as an ebook. Um, I haven't pulled the trigger on that, but but um, the fact that uh, that John is interested enough to ask that question, um, you know, might be, well, might you, make me a little I bit more what, John's likely. Pretty, I know John. John's a pretty good, a smart guy, and he's out there selling to a lot of different people. So yeah. not a bad one. And what, but, yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing. So, you know, I wrote about this thing. It's like, hey, look at all these people. They're working for themselves. They're not working for large organizations. And I did it in a time when there wasn't social media. There yeah. weren't smartphones. Right. There wasn't widespread broadband. Uh, there wasn't this whole sharing economy. And so, um, so I, um, and, and that's actually becoming you know, a bigger, you know, nobody had jobs as an Uber driver, No, you know? Right. And, and um, so it's become, you know, I think those trends have even, have, um, have deepened and uh, accelerated. Um, in fact, I, I got a call from a, um, um, uh, a senator's office saying, you know, we're thinking about doing something, um, we're thinking about doing something for the sharing economy and whether, you know, how do you take care of people, um, make sure that they have benefits and whatnot in a, in a sharing economy? And, I, and they say, I heard you wrote something about that. Yeah. And, and I said, yeah, it was like 15 years ago, so I don't think it's going to be that useful to you. So that might have been the case. You'll, 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 you'll appreciate this, especially having worked for George McGovern. Um, uh, that in politics, there's this phrase, you know, so-and-so was ahead of the voters. But yeah. I think that book was a little bit ahead of the voters. Yeah, well, then that, they're a little bit behind in terms of. Yeah. What, what are they talking about? Benefits in terms of like health benefits, things like that, or? Yeah, I mean, some of the health benefits stuff is taken care of a little bit. Not, I don't think all that well, actually, at all with Obamacare. I think that there's a lot of flaws in that. Without question. Um, but but things like like disability insurance. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you can get disability uh, what insurance. Happened. I mean, I'm a, I'm I've been on my own ever since, and even when I went and worked for a big corporation, I had my own separate policy for disability insurance. I mean, you should. That's yeah, just something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Especially a guy like you or me who's out there doing. We're, you know, we're in that economy. We're exactly part of that economy. Totally, totally. About, I have yeah. disability. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I have disability insurance. Well, what if you, you know? And so, you know, it's interesting. I think, um, sort of legally, politically, reg, in a sort of the architecture of laws, is that all of our labor laws, our main set of labor laws, was written in the 1930s. Yeah. So they're, it's really, really out of date. So you know, when is so? So let's take an Uber driver or a freelance designer, um, or me. You know, right. um, we're not eligible for unemployment insurance. So when are you know what are, are, are you know when are we actually are we ever actually unemployed? 
Um, well, and then if you think about uh, workers' comp or disability or health insurance got a little bit better over the years. Um, if you think about um, uh, saving for retirement, education and training, there are you know a lot of you know our law our laws don't necessarily our law our labor laws are leaving out huge numbers of people because people are working in new ways. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you another question. Carrie Teigen uh, wrote me on Facebook. She said. She, she was talking about for individuals that lived in a prior regime of submission and under a dictatorship, this is a deep question, kind of leadership coupled with business of people and the lack of time to be critical, independent thinkers. How do we as leaders help them truly grow to a level of autonomy that motivates them? How do we develop free, independent thinkers when their past tells them to do the opposite? I think that's a great question. What, wow. what a what, That's a pretty deep question. That's good. Yeah, I was gonna, that's exactly what I was going to say. So that's actually a very, I mean, it is. I mean, it's a pretty profound question. So, yeah, you know, I don't think I can give the kind of an answer of, you know, uh, mix three parts of that with one part of that with a tablespoon of that and stir vigorously. So it's not, you can't give, you know, it's not that kind of thing. Um, but shouldn't um, they, I mean, I you just got to tell them to go do it. I mean, don't they have to do it? I mean, yes and no. Yes and no. Um, I, I'll give you, I'll give you my, I'll give you my, I'll give you my, my, my view on that. Uh, let me, let me take, I'll take three steps back. Um, a lot of what happens in business and in politics as well. A lot of the decisions that we make are based on fundamentally deep down on our view of human nature. And so there's some people who think that human nature is this, that people generally are lazy. They don't want to do anything. They don't care um, and therefore need to be controlled. There's another view of human nature that says, "Ah, yeah, most of us want to do something valuable. Most of us are willing to take responsibility. Um, Most of us, you know, want to do something worthwhile. And, you know, and so that starting point of what your view is of human nature pretty much determines where you end up. I mean, where you end up as a manager or a leader or whatever. Which one are you? By the way, which one are you? I'm total, well, I'll tell you what I am. I, I am absolutely of the belief that human nature is to be autonomous, um, uh, to be autonomous, self-directed, engaged, curious, yeah. interested. And the reason I say that is not because I, I have a kind of rosy view of the world. It's because I've, I have kids and I've seen kids and I defy you to find me any two-year-old or four-year-old who's not active, engaged, curious, and self-directed. Yeah, unless we crush it. They don't it. exist. Unless we crush it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's exactly my point. Precisely the point. Yeah. And so I think what happens is when we see adults who are compliant, who are disengaged, who are incurious, we have to say, uh, my explanation of it, not in every single case, but in general, is that that's not their nature, that is essentially learned behavior, and they have to unlearn it. So let me circle back to the question. So when you, when you think about this question, the people who you're encountering in this condition of compliance or sluggishness or whatever, I think you have to recognize that's learned behavior. And if there's any, the one thing that's even more difficult than learning something is unlearning something. So I think that it's possible, but you gotta start small. So if you have somebody inside of a company that has been controlled their whole life, they went to a school system where they were 
totally compliant. They, they weren't able to be engaged. They went to a job where they didn't have any kind of freedom where people were telling them what to do and they basically learned the habits of compliance. I don't think you can go to that person at age 40 or 45 or 50 and say, Fred, go do it. I think Fred freaks out. Um, what I think you have to do is you have to provide some scaffolding for Fred. And so, so my, my programmatic answer to this, that very, very profound question is start small. Um, don't try to go from somebody being kind of uh, you know, compliant and disengaged and, try and expect them to be purely autonomous and self-directed tomorrow. You've you got to have some scaffolding. You've got to make some small wins, small steps and get them there slowly see i think it's a very animalistic kind of behavior i think we're you know we're pretty much animals at, at heart and you know it's like when i see we are you know I, when i see people immediately i either want to you know seduce you i want to uh or or help you or i or i want to kill you i mean i'm not you know kill you in terms of like you know truly do that but i mean just you know, cut you cut you from the herd so to speak call you out because either because that's how people rank up for me real quick and, and, I'm, and I'm honest enough to be able to say that. And I think when we see that with some other folks, it's almost even an organization. Why would I even want to spend the time with some of those folks if I don't have those free independent thinkers? It, it's really tough for a leadership in an organization to bring these people forward. It, we spend a great deal of time. As an entrepreneur, quite frankly, I don't always have the time for that. Um, I actually agree with you. I, I, mean, I, I mean, I agree with you about the consequences of that, which is that you know, I, I really do think that companies spend, you know, focus a little too much on trying to fix people and not enough time focusing on who they let in the door in the first place. Yeah, I think that's the and right there. I love that. That's the, to me, yeah. that's the, you know, I, I think that's true, in, you know, that's true in anything. Well, we have this world-class training program or we have this incentive system that's going to get people to behave in a certain way. Well, we have a culture that's going to transform how they act. And I'm thinking, you know, like, like sort of, to me, like the, the first the, the first three rules of talent management are hire great people, hire great people, hire great people. Well, you had a great quote. You put you said, "If you need me to motivate you, I probably don't want to hire you." Totally. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I mean, that's not my line. That's what that's what that's what an executive told me. Oh, is that right? I love that. Oh, okay, that yeah. was like, it was a great quote I saw somewhere in the notes. And yeah, I wish stuff. I could take credit for it. I'd love to take credit for oh, it. Go but, ahead. Um, what the heck? I mean, but know, I but I mean, I wrote about it. I, I quoted him. In the in in a book, yeah. but you know um, it was his. You know, just to be fair, it's his line, and, but I endorse it 100. percent So I'm part of the. I, you know, I'm actually in, in, inducted in the Sales and Marketing Hall of Fame a number of years ago, uh, with some great people: James Cash, Kennedy, Kennedy, Bill Watson, founder of IBM, uh, Benny Hanna's. Uh, I mean, oh, wow, cool. yeah, you know, um, just some great great leaders. Let me and John Lee, who's my producer, he, he asked this question. He goes in in your book to sell. To sell is human. You make a really strong case for the idea that we're all in sales. But he said he was never taught that in school. Should sales be part of the curriculum that they teach? Very interesting question. Um, yeah, um, a little bit. I mean, you know, there's a lot to teach in, you know, elementary and, and secondary schools. I think that what we should be, you know, and, and there's teaching and teach, in teaching. I think that the fundamental thing that we should be doing uh, because it's going to make our students better learners. It's going to make them better uh, people, and it's going to make them more effective in their jobs. Is to make sure that our kids have the ability to kind of get out of their own heads and see things from someone else's point of view. 
that's fundamentally um, that is fundamental in any kind of effective sales job. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, what are the, what's in their interest? What are they thinking? What's their point of view? Um, how can I help them? And so, and I think that that the ability to sort of get over yourself, look at things from someone else's point of view, is that absolutely should be a component in education because it is a central element in living both a good life in the in the sense of being good and moral, but also leading an effective life. Hey, it's time for me to take a little bit of a break. You know, I run on Duncan and business runs on Duncan. America runs on Duncan. Daniel, you and I both want to drive change, but it's good to know that even as the world changes, Duncan coffee (laughs) remains the same. It's always great. It's always there. And I need it right now because all business with Jeffrey is it runs on Duncan. You, You like Duncan coffee? I do. I mean, I, I truly do, and I like Dunkin'. I like uh, Dunkin' Donuts too. I'm uh, I'm I'm very partial to the um, to the chocolate uh, glaze. Um, Someone just brought me uh, a bacon a bacon sprinkled with maple sugar sugar donut today. Yeah, yeah, that's I that's that's a that's a little bit that's a little bit intense. But yeah. there have been um, there have been many days on the road when <laughs> a that the large coffee at Dunkin' Donuts is like a uh, bucket. Yeah. yeah and, I I drink um, there a couple. And, I drink about four of their espressos. What, what, how do you take your coffee, by the way? Uh, I just take. I, I drink like I don't drink espresso. I don't drink espresso or cappuccino or any of that kind of stuff. I drink like regular coffee yeah. with some milk in it. Yeah. And that the, the Dunkin' Donuts cup um, is the large, whatever the large is. I don't know what it is. It's like twenty-two ounces or something yeah, it's like pretty that. Big. And one of the, like there have been many days that's on the like road a, that's not where a cup of coffee that's a that's a lot of cups of coffee that's like four cups uh, uh yeah that's like a pool it's like a swimming pool of coffee but that's good yeah. there's many days on the road where that cup of that giant cup of coffee and that chocolate glazed donut is what that's allowed a, me to stay upright for the first five hours of the morning writing those speeches i bet you had to have a lot of those when you're writing speeches for Al Gore. Yeah, no, I drank a lot of coffee in those days. Yeah, I would yeah. imagine. Some, yeah, that, 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 well, that's a whole other show. Do, more than I do now. Yeah. Let me ask you, you, there was something you were talking about your kids, and you know, I, I love the fact that you talk about kids and do what you're doing for them, and they're, you know, I've got a grandchild now, and it's just, it just changes your life. You, you made the quote that said, there's no going back, pay your son to take out the trash, and you're pretty much guaranteed the kid will never do it again for free. So, yeah. So how do you how do you teach him to do the right things? Yeah, uh, it's hard. Yeah. But uh, let's let, let me let me let me let me take a step back. You got to go to first principles here. I love it. So um, so why do you why do you um, um, why do you why do people help out around the house? Um, why do you know why do you know I my wife. Why would she sweep the floor? Well, Why would I, mean, I wash? But the it dishes? should be part of that's part of you. You live there, right? It's your house. Exactly. Right. You ha- precisely. You have an obligation to the people that you, whom you live with and who you love. We have, as a you know, in, in, in any kind of family, there is, families are webs of mutual obligation. We love each other. We owe things to each other. We help each other. That's why you take out the garbage when mom is doing that and dad is doing that. Now the thing is. Is when you when you um, and there's a lot of research on this. This is not a philosophical point of view. You see this in, in all kinds of experimental uh, research. Once you put a price on that activity, it catapults it out of the moral realm into the economic realm. There's nothing inherently evil about that at all. 
but it's a different thing. Yeah. It's like, so suddenly taking out the trash becomes, you know, um, um, you know, working at a fast food restaurant. It's like, you know, only, is, do you think any kid is going to work at a fast food restaurant for free? No, because you're yeah. a chump. Yeah. And so, taking out the garbage is a moral obligation, not an not a not um, an economic transaction. I never got paid and for so it. When I was a when, kid. Uh, we, my yeah, dad said so this you, is what you did. When you tie the two together, yeah. it's one of those things where our instincts are wrong. Like I don't have a problem giving kids a very small allowance because it helps them figure out what to do with their what to do with um, what to do with money. So yeah. my twelve year old son, you yeah, know, wants to buy my my twelve year old son wants to buy a baseball bat. Um, you know, it's like a $30, not expensive one, you know, like a $30 baseball bat. And I said, you know, you, you, you have a baseball bat. You don't need a second base. You want to, you want to buy a baseball bat. You pay for that on your own. And, and, um, you know, and so if you get a dollar a week or something like that, and you say that you make choices about how do you, how you spend your money. So allowance is a good thing. Chores are a good thing, but it's one of those things where if you combine these two things that are good, you actually get something that's not good. So how do you uh, how do you pay your kids allowance? Just curious. You... Oh, just uh, I mean, very like you know, like a uh, I mean, I mean, li- I mean, I'm not joking around about like a dollar a week. Yeah, I used to pay. Um, I used to pay them uh, their age per week. So if they, it was, oh, that's a good way to do it. Actually, it was great because then they knew that was their spending money. That was their extra money. They had to do their chores. Yeah. you did your chores. Uh, hey, you know, I brought you know brought you into this world. Take you out, kind of thing. Yeah, that's the way my mom and dad did it with me. You do your chores. That's yeah. I like that. I like that idea a lot. For my for our teenage girls, I mean, they do. Um, I mean, you know, my elder daughter is eighteen. Mm-hmm. You know, she has a job this summer. She's making money this summer. Yeah. Um, my um, um, she's babysat. That's how one one way she gets her some some spending money. My other daughter. 16-year-old. Um, yeah, but even 18, if you do it um, for a week, you know, four weeks, that's that's like, you know, 100 bucks. So it's like, that's a that's a lot of money for an 18-year-old, in my opinion. So even today's money. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. She, so, she has, so Exactly. So she has her, she has her job. Um, she has her job uh, that she is, um, yeah. And, and so, you know, my son is small. He's 12, so he gets a little bit, um, you know, paying very, very little. Uh, each week and, and, you know, socks it away. And then when, you know, there's a cool baseball bat on discount, he can spend his money and I hope get buyer's regret. Hey, somebody asked, uh, just wrote in, because someone just handed this to me, because uh, they knew I was interviewing it today. Uh, Christopher Vetrano asked, he said, given Mr. Pink's helpful uh, point of view on a range of meaningful career topics, would be great to know a few of his most effective ways to be productive while traveling to and from business destinations. What are we missing as a professional community when we spend hours in airports and hotels that can enhance our individual and group mindset and outcomes? That's a pretty good question. You do a lot. That's a great question. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure I'm the right person to answer because I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I myself do a, um, I'm not sure I myself do a very good. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure I myself do a very good job of it. What yeah, I try to you, do you, on... You, I mean, you, you tweet, you, you're active on social media. Those are some of the ways that you yeah. help, you know, make sure you're connected by a community, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I love Twitter. Um, so I, I, I tweet. I mean, on the road, I mean, my best productivity trip on the... My, my, best, my best productivity tip on the road is, you know, we're all buried in email. Yeah. And so I'm a big believer in batching email. So yeah, letting, yeah, exactly. And so the road is often a good time to do that. So let's say you're sitting in, 
you know, an airport, and of course your flight is, oh my God, it's going to be a half an hour late. And so you suddenly have a half an hour, you know, to me, um, as much as I might want to just sit there and, you know, watch whatever NBA game is on, I'll, you know, say, okay, half an hour, great. Let's just try to knock off a batch of email and make it almost like a game. How much email can I knock off in that half an hour? Yeah, I like so that. So that's one small pro- that's one small productivity tip that. Um, hey, I'll give you one. Uh, I, I only yeah. read what's in the screen. So if it's longer than the screen, I don't read the rest of it. So now that's actually a good one too. You know, and I do miss things every so often. But for what I gain, my first of all, my team knows to get the words down to what Jeff can see in yeah. the screen. So I got you know 50 people, and so you know, in a couple hundred emails a day, I, look, I'm just booming, knocking it out, boom, boom, boom. And I do batch, and I read the most recent one, and I can usually eliminate the other five or six before that. Okay, rapid, yeah. rapid fire. Here we go. You ready? Talk to me. Okay. Buckle in, baby. Yeah. This is you're, you're in D.C., so be ready. Right brain okay. or left brain? Uh, left brain. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, I'm why? a very logical guy. Uh, I'm a yeah. very, very logical, sequential guy. Yeah. I think a lot of guys are that way, though, too, don't you? I yeah. Think most, most guys are that way. All right, you were interviewed a lot, not counting today, of course. What was your favorite interview? Uh, being interviewed or being interviewer or interviewee? Ooh, give me both. I love it. Oh, okay. So, uh, interviewee uh, was uh, actually I think the best interviewer I've ever had. Obviously, I mean, I guess the second best now that I'm doing this. Yeah. Was um, uh, uh, Oprah. Oprah was an amazingly well prepared interviewer. I was she, blown away by how well prepared she was. She does her stuff. Um, she knows her stuff. I love. Oh, she's her. incredible. Yeah, she's. I, yeah. I'm an. I'm. I'm. I'm actually in. Um, I'm actually in awe of her. In terms of my favorite person to interview, um, uh, this is a weird one, but I, I, it was a, it's a guy named Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who is the guy who wrote the book Flow, and he's one of those people who I admired for 20 years and then finally got a chance to meet him, and I was actually a little bit nervous. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it's it's kind of fun when you get you know because you, you meet a lot of famous people. I do too. Uh, they're friends, you know. You know, some of the people live in my building. You, they're, they're on television. I'm on television. It, it just every once in a while, it's going. Hey, this is cool. You know, this is pretty cool to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. All right. Uh, the, oh, this is this is a little little risque, but I'm throwing out there. What do you have? I know you're a respected author, but what do does yeah, respected right. author Daniel Pink have in common with notorious publisher Larry Flint? <laughs> um, let's see. Well, you want to hear something weird? What? Larry Flint once moved to the town where I grew up. That's it. That's the answer. That was the answer. Yeah. That's what you had, isn't it? That had to be wild. I bet you people were like a, a, a gag over that or a gag over that, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was, uh, yeah, it was really kind of peculiar. Yeah, yeah. So I lived in a town. It's a suburb of Columbus, Ohio. And um, there's a there's a section of the town that actually has um, um, uh, maybe like a four or five blocks that have these you know houses that are very 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 large. Yeah. Uh, most of the most of the town is not like that, obviously. But uh, they and he he ended up I don't know why he ended up moving to one of those big out big old houses. Huh. So let me ask you this: one. What's better, wildcat growl or primal scream? 
People will go out. Northwestern sits on on the on Lake Michigan, and people will go out like toward the lake during exam time and just start screaming. Yeah, it says it. It says primal, primal scream. scream is held at 9 p.m. on Sunday before finals week every quarter. Students lean out of their windows, gather in the courtyards, or go by the lake, and they scream. Yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be yeah, a great I stress I didn't reliever. People, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I remember. I've done that. I remember going out. I was. I was guess it was in the category of going actually out toward the lake. Yeah. Um. So there you go. So what Good do you have, what, there's another another one. Well, see, we do our background here. I mean, we're this isn't your like uh, chump change. This is a high profile. No, no, show. no. I, mean, I, got, I got guys that research all this. This is great. So yeah, what do you have in common with Presidents Gerald Ford, Bill, and Bill Clinton, and presidential candidate Hillary Clinton? Oh, yes. Uh, we both. Uh, we all three of us graduated from the same law school. Yale law yep. school. Yale law school. There you go. How about what's uh, D- which is better, Dilbert or Dagwood? Oh, Dilbert. I'm a huge Dilbert yeah, fan. Yeah, that's what they said. You're, which which is your favorite character in Dilbert? Oh, um, uh, it's the uh, – I, I love the cluelessness of the pointy uh, – boss. The pointy-haired boss. I'm that way, too. I like – that's the one I like because I actually see that crap in, in corporate meetings. It's yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's based on real events, that guy, yeah. Yeah. Hey, asking the right question or getting the right answer? Totally asking the right question. Yeah, yeah. Who wants a an ass kisser? I mean, I really want the right right question. That I want healthy debates. Good, right? All right. Not yeah. not to get too morbid, but what's your six word obituary? Oh, my six word obituary. Yeah. Um, You've written about this, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a six word six word um, uh, where you can sort of six word autobiography. But if you uh, want it as a uh, yeah, obituary, do it as an obituary. Yeah. Uh, he wrote good stuff that matters. Hey, that's cool. Wow, you figured that out yeah. real quick. That was great. Good job. I was actually, I mean, no joke, if you saw me here, I was using my fingers to count, <laughs> to count the words. Yeah, the, the great abacus, uh, the, 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 it's the most expensive calcul- calculator we've got in the world, our fingers, our hands. And yes, toes. exactly. Exactly. Hey, let me, I always give everybody a chance as we're wrapping up here for any kind of shameless plug that you'd like to do, Dan. You've got a new book coming out. You've got a speech coming up. You've got a, a charity. You want to do anything. You want us to do a shout out. What would you be shouting about? You know, I would. I'll, I'll give you one. Um, uh, one way that I like to keep in touch with readers is is through a free email newsletter uh, that has where I put like a lot of stuff that I'm reading, um, articles I come across that I think are cool, uh, tips that I've learned. And so, if you go to danpink.com, D-A-N-P-I-N-K dot com, you can sign up for that. It is um, uh, free of charge, free of advertising. Awesome. That's great. I'm going to sign up for it. I loved it. I learned some things. Thanks. And at the end of this, I'm going to, we're after, as we hang up here, I'm going to go back and I'm going to think of a few things that I learned. There was a couple of things I really liked, and, and I'm going to talk about awesome. those, and I appreciate it. Great. It's been a pleasure, my friend. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having me. It's a joy. Thanks All right, for having cheers. me. Cheers, brother. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Fortinet. Over 3 million businesses use Indeed.com for hiring. 
Five times more hires are made through Indeed than any other job site. By creating the easiest, most effective hiring experience, we help businesses find great new people every day. Right now, we're giving new users a $50 credit to post a sponsored job on the world's number one job site. Claim your $50 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. He's one of the world's most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazlett. I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success. This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. of what's happening in the business world. Jeffrey Hazlett hosts All Business, brought to you by Fortinet. Okay, what did I learn? Hey, at the end of every interview, I always like to add a couple of things that I learned, and the two biggest things that I learned, and I just loved it. First of all, he talks about up serving versus upselling. And I got to tell you, I've been using the term upselling for years and years and years. But now that I've had a chance to talk to Daniel, I like upserving because really what I've been doing is upserving. So even when I'm selling to the C-suite, which I do often, and I'm putting together packages and talking to those folks or to any of my clients or that are customers that I serve in our businesses that we own, I'm always Upserving, which means I'm really listening to what they want and how they need it and tailor making it exactly to them. And in the result, I get more out of it. I get a greater value, which was what we talked about. I can make more money long term and probably even short term if you do it right. You think about the places that you go. Do you like a fast food restaurant or one you can really sit down and really enjoy your meal? Again, better food or fast food, but it doesn't make a difference. As long as you're up serving and giving them something more than what they want, you're going to get better at it. You're going to make more money at it and you're going to do a great job. The other thought I thought was about hiring the right people in the door. You know, there's a quote, if you need me to motivate you, I probably don't want to hire you. And we should spend more time on the people that we hire in so that we get the right kinds of people rather than trying to change the people that are already there. And as I've told everybody in my books, uh, The Mirror Test and Running the Gauntlet, I try to find those slow common denominators and route them out of the company, call them from the herd, as I say in cowboy speak. And I think that's what you should be doing too. Get rid of the folks that you need to be changing and really get the people in that are already motivated and want to do uh, the things you want to and go where you want to go. Hey, this has been Jeffrey Hazlett on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on Play.it. most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazlett. I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success. This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.